Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Well Nurse Podcast. This is episode number 73. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Eric, Caitlin, and Adam. Hey, everyone. What's up? Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hi, friends. That was only our third intro. No big deal. (laughs) Someday we may have a bloopers reel from all these recordings. What's good, nerds? Um, Whales. You know. Whales. Dolphins. Gray whales. Oh, I saw gray whales. Yes, you were just out, huh? Yeah, like my sunburn. 45 minutes ago. Now, yep. Your cheeks are always a little bit rosy red. We drove all the way to Dana. Well, we saw Graywell like a mile from the harbor. Actually, like two miles down below the harbor. And it took one breath every like four minutes. And it like looked like it was snorkeling for like the head part of the whale. And then it would like put us back up for a sliver. And then that was it. It was like a half snorkeler. <laughs> I would do the same thing if I was in Newport Beach. <laughs> Half snorkeler. You'd All right then. Snorkeler? I'd be a half snorkeler. All day. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, and then we uh, got some numbers of these, you know, I don't know what type of bottlenose dolphin that were going up the coast. We got to the numbers and there was no bottlenose dolphins near there within like miles of this place. Um, then we got some numbers of some common dolphins in the biggest bird school you could see from a mile away and there was no bird school <laughs> or dolphins. Um <laughs> uh, we were just following some numbers that like people were talking on the Dana channels, um, and then there was another gray whale down there that uh, uh, was doing the same thing, like four minute dives and not showing. So it's pretty rough day on the water. The At least you were calm. out there. Yeah, it was beautiful out. Really? It's been yeah, flat it's calm here. I guess yesterday was nice. Up here. Flat calm, Adam. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. <laughs> but I will tell you on the way in, it was getting a little breezy. It's raining here, but we still have gray whales and humpbacks. Ah, oh, I miss the rain. Humpbacks are back. Humpbacks. 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 For now, humpbacks. and then they'll all disappear in June. June, I'll come back. Shut your mouth. When I was telling Kristen uh, <laughs> or Erica that on the boat today. I was like, oh, they come back, and then right around June, they're just gone. And I was like, and then I was telling them that. Caitlin and everybody, you guys have told me like the reason you guys all think that is because what they do is it's all the humpbacks are just kind of getting back up the coast and they like stop off in Monterey and have some, you know, anchovies Snacks. and then they keep going further up or whatever they do. Maybe they're like the Farallon Island whales, you know? Snacks. Well, they could even be Oregon and Washington whales too that just like make a pit stop and then keep going. Yeah. Just like, oh, but- is that my friend Eric? Oh, he's off today? No, keep going. Or they might just, like, check in, go wander around, and come back, you know, scout around. Where's the food, you know? Isn't, have we not figured that out from Happy Whale yet? I, mean, um, I haven't. No. What if they? What if no one's out where they go feed Exactly. At? No one can Happy Whale if they're not Well, there. You, you would think yeah. that, like, if you see them in, like, you know, May, and then somebody sees them in Washington two months later or whatever, you know, that's a month later. Uh, I don't think any of these whales get to Washington. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. At least it's not, not no, I, We have one. We have one. I ID dancer or something like that is a Washington whale, but yeah, it doesn't. It's not here often, so some of them might take a pit stop. Yeah, I did yeah. one that was um, Summit's calf, and Summit is a well-known whale in Washington, and her calf popped up in a uh, Santa Barbara this summer. That's how you do it, Adam. 
And then went down to Mexico. I know. I wow, think that's a great. I think that's a great question for Ted Cheeseman. Also, that may be something he actually yeah. knows offhand. Yeah. Oh, which reminds me, I forgot to email Jim Simmons. I'll do that, Eric. Yeah, God of. <clears throat> wow, dude, God of. I have his book. Kayla just has the connections, you guys. Just email whoever she wants. <laughs> I could call him too, but I'll just email him. <laughs> no big deal. I just. <laughs> I just hit him on the beeper. You know what I mean? Whatever. Whatever. Oh, yeah, the beeper. Just nine one one. Put nine one one after it. Eric, you probably had a beeper, huh? Shut nah. up, dude. Yes, <laughs> Shut up, dude. <laughs> I gotta switch chairs. This one's creaky. Yeah, I had a beeper, oh. and yeah, I had a few of them, and I had a, uh, I had a, uh, yeah, to go to find pay phones to call them back, and if if mommy or daddy put nine one one after it, that usually means you gotta call back right away or go home right away. Or you're grounded. <laughs> yeah. Street lights are on. Yeah, street lights are on. Now it is Velociraptors wouldn't get you. Who else has seen an animal? <laughs> whales. I saw we whales. We can't even ask whales. Eric that question anymore because he's just going to be like, yeah, well, you know, I was looking at a shrew on the edge of this leaf. And it was like, yeah, oh, you saw the shrew. podcast about <laughs> land mammals. Yeah. <laughs> a Monterey ornate shrew, which is really. Yeah. Wait, how come it was on your hand? Huh? How come it was in your hand? Because it, I pulled it out of a pit trap, a pitfall trap. It was a research area in Fort Ord. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. You did what? Eric, it's a pitfall trap, dude. They drew a little pit and it fell in there? Yeah, exactly. It's a little pit and the animals fall in it. Then you go. You have to go check it every few days to pull them out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so are them. you saying you you messed up their survey because you took a shrew out of there? No, I actually was with them. Yeah, was oh, oh, you were helping people? <laughs> yeah, Bureau of Land Management. Ah, you're a shrew person. helper. Pull the shrew out. <laughs> Want to see a picture of it? Yeah. And then there was the front worms, salamanders, and all the good stuff. Yeah. And that's it. And I, noticed, oh I noticed Doug Croft has been out there taking some uh, po- photos of lizards and stuff now. Yeah, so Doug, we got Doug. Salamanders. Into salamanders and newts now so we took him on a, a hike a few days ago and he's been going back that, that area it's pretty cool are salamanders considered lizards or no they're amphibians they're because amphibians. They water wow adam got mad they don't have an amniotic ne- they don't have an amniotic egg wow okay wow dude i think we kick adam off this is i was thinking 73 <laughs> is a little pushing it for how many episodes he's been on <laughs> Adam, we want to hear about your cool wildlife things. Yeah. You guys oh, go on an airplane. We don't, Adam. Oh, yeah, an airplane. Yeah, so I was um, part of a NOAA whale survey over the channel. And obviously, you know, we do that um, because the shipping lanes are pretty prevalent in the um, humpback and blue whale and fin whale feeding grounds here in Santa Barbara. So... Every couple months, um, Noah does a flight, but since Noah employees aren't really working right now, um, we've been doing it. So we've been trying to, we've been, tr- I've been trying to do one for months. And every time we've been aiming to do one, or you know, Dave and I have a day, Dave and I have a day off together. Um, the weather's just crap, or it's really overcast or something. So yesterday we had like the perfect day. It was just like beautiful conditions throughout the whole channel not really any clouds or anything um the clouds that were there were at like twenty five thousand feet so that was fine um and yeah and so we just go there and we use a whale alert app that can uh track um where we are and what whales we see so we had uh 11 gray whales 
throughout the channel and uh, ate humpback whales and probably the most Rizzo's dolphins I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the whole Western portion of the channel was just chalk a block full of them. That was pretty cool. cool. Um, wow. But yeah, it's a completely different experience. Like just flying the whole channel in, you know, two hours, you know, that's, that's, it's probably 60 miles of ocean um, there and back or one way. And uh, yeah, so pretty much everything we saw was in the shipping lanes. Um, there wasn't a lot of ship traffic yesterday, but everything we did see was in the shipping lanes. So that in itself was worth it there. Just the data, data that we collected. Um, so yeah, that was an amazing experience. Thanks to my old cap. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Nice. And Condor Express is back up and running. We're back up and running. We've been seeing a bunch of gray whales. Uh, the first day we had like this really good group of mating gray whales. And then we had a gray whale playing with offshore bottlenose dolphin. We've had a couple of good uh, gray whales encounters. We also had a really cool encounter with two surfing minkies. Like oh, the other day. This... Story. Yeah, the other day the swell. Like... <laughs> Like, did they ride a fish or? They well, are they're the about boys. They're about they were body surfing. They're about 22 foot, 22 foot animals, so their board is probably like 30 foot long. Oh, cool. Single two, animal? two feet longer than their body? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they ride like a 42 foot, dude. Come on now. Wow. <laughs> Do minkies like like rights or lefts? Are they goofy? I was just wondering. <laughs> you know, that's a great question. You'll have to ask them. You have to see which way they turn when they lunge feed. Probably right. Yeah. Wow, you're leftist. I'm just saying, if you want to play the statistics, it's probably 80% right. Uh, speaking of the shipping lanes, Adam, so I guess, so in front of Long Beach, like from Long Beach all the way, obviously the ports are right there, right? LA port and Long Beach port. And from there all the way to Newport Beach, literally like in front of Newport Beach, there's been like, I'm going to say 25, but I, I realistically think there's like 40 container ships out there that are Just all been parked. Yeah, parked. Well, there was a, there was a few, I guess, on the very end, and someone was telling Kristen about it. Someone had got some word that I guess a lot of them had COVID on the sh a couple of the ships right there. So Ooh. they were they were like straight quarantined on the ship in front of the port for like weeks. And mm. so um, – but, dude, it's so backed up. Like that's why you haven't seen any container ships. That's they're my, still, like, they're still living going nightmare. Time, yeah. So they're... Um, uh, that's that's a pretty lot sketch. So, I mean, not because of COVID, but um, in general, ships, I think, have a staging time in front of ports of, like, three to four days. That's, like, standard right now. Um, I watched that film, Sonic Sia, kind of talked about it a little bit on episode 72, but one of the things that they argued for to reduce noise from ships is that they slow down because they have to sit and stage in front of port for days anyway. Why wouldn't you just drive slower, have your boat be quieter, you and then you're ready to enter the port as soon as you well, arrive? I'm pretty sure some of these have been here for weeks. Yeah, that's because of COVID, but like, like I'm just, yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So. But, but why do they, why are they stationed out front? Are they, Dealing with documents, are they dealing with what they have? No, no they're they dealing with, with like the, what? No, I think they're dealing with delay in the like port of taking like I don't know though because they've gotcha. been, they they haven't stopped working down there. 
I know, know a lot weird. of people that work in the port, and it's not like yeah. I feel like they're probably busier than ever. So the only other time you see them all parked out like that is like when there is like a strike or something mm-hmm. like that. Or like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, maybe they're saying they don't want to work and deliver yeah. goods when half the world isn't working. You know, or three quarters of the world, whatever it is. Or maybe their conditions aren't safe to work in. You know, if you have a COVID outbreak on yeah. a ship, that's like my nightmare is to have yeah. like an illness breakout on a ship that you're stuck on. Yeah, and that's just more likely to happen on like a cruise ship, like you know. Then. Yeah, but it's still if it happens on a container ship, I feel like that's even more scary than a cruise ship because a cruise ship has yeah. way more resources on board. Yeah, they don't carry a nurse or a doctor on board of a container ship. Probably they carry and a they, first aid. They kit. don't carry as much food or fresh water or anything like that because it's not as big of a amount of people on board. I'm assuming all the crew boats that like go bring stuff to the oil rigs are probably bringing food to those ships. Well, yeah, I'm sure, oh, but it's still kind of scary to like have an outbreak and then just be like <laughs> in panic like, mode. <laughs> they're like Uber eat or like post mating or Uber eating DoorDash. <laughs> like we get some Chipotle on this goddamn ship. <laughs> <laughs> I can fly see a drone it with out my binoculars on PCH. What give me some? <laughs> like that's all Joe's tacos looks great right there. <laughs> Uh, you know what I did see parked out there with uh, all the container ships was uh, National Geographic. God, I forget the name. One I of t- their cruise yeah. ships. Yeah, one of their like it's like one of those ones that does like L.A. and then I think they end up down in Baja, mm-hmm. and then they you know they park in front and then the, the pongas take them in to do the gray whale yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I did see them out there. Nice. Yeah, those ships are so cool. Well, I saw whales too in maui um, we've had some pretty Whale. wild weather the last couple of weeks i am covered in it's bruises insane. still um but yeah we've been seeing still plenty of humpbacks more competition groups as march goes on it was actually rough out there yeah well we've been having pretty gnarly weather down here how big are the swells um well they're wind waves so they're close together and they're like oh, five geez. six feet sometimes will it be still be swelly when your parents get there i hope not because they're, they're showing up today <laughs> tell them i said that <laughs> did Dude, you I see saw... did you see my dad on the pacific whale foundation's post no no he said oh my what god there was a video of a preaching whale from that we had shared from a passenger and he's like well whale still be preaching when i get there tomorrow <laughs> no way i gotta find that i was right like now. dad like don't do that's funny <laughs> and like four people in the world laughed i laughed at it because i was like oh my god he needs to know that i saw this like i have zero control over any of the pacific that's Health hilarious. Foundation social media. <laughs> that's oh, man. i was like we've created a monster did your dad listen to the Dude, podcast um i don't know if he listens to the podcast but he just he knows that like that's our running joke yeah. <laughs> Adam. Yo. Will the will still be there when I get there? No. Damn. We're not going, dude. Who's not going? You and I. We're not going to Maui this year. Oh, I was just talking about a general life. <laughs> Wells can't stand you. <laughs> hey, you saw Tigre. Oh, dude, no. I, I saw I saw I saw a picture from Captain Steve's rafting adventures. And there was a freaking drone photo of like eighteen humpbacks in a comfort. Yes. Yes. That's gnarly. Yes. I heard a report of twenty-five 
in a competition what? group about 10 days ago. I didn't actually see it. I just heard a report <clears> of it. So, but Dude, I've had most, a few groups The most humpbacks I've been... seen at once is like five. In Maui? What? This is in Maui they were, they, this comp group was in? Yeah. Yep. There was a drone above them? Yeah, I don't really know what how like what the rules were. It was not a person uh, on their trip. It was a mm. private uh, person that's friendly. It could have been company. for all we know, they could have been filming for a documentary, like Yeah, I don't know. It's just mm. a person that, that that they have a relationship with at the company, mm. but they're not an employee or anything. And the footage is not from one of their trips. But um Yeah, pretty incredible. Some of these competition groups are really big. I've seen like this season. We've had groups of eight or nine are the biggest so far that I've seen, but there's I've heard reports of way larger groups. Nice. Did Caitlin, did we talk about the humpback that was freed off Maui? No, um, we did not talk about that yet. So there's been three reported it. entangled whales in Maui this season so far. Um, one of them, they um, were able to launch a response last week. Um, yeah, and so the Tuesday. disentanglement team from uh, NOAA, Ed, Ed Lyman and his team, uh, disentangled the whale successfully, but it is very thin and covered in lice. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. the the prognosis moving Oof. forward doesn't look very positive. Mm -hmm. um, there actually was even tiger sharks seen following the whale the day oh, of the disentanglement geez. because it's so weak. Um, so we'll see what wow. happens, but... Um, Damn, so it's probably had that on for months, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if you look out, I've never seen a humpback really that skinny. Like, not even after, like, migration, right? Like, Yeah, and it looks, it's covered in lice like Scarlet was. Yeah. I mean, so, dude, Scarlet disentangled herself, got rid of all that red lice, and then still didn't make it after she yep. looked healthy again. So, yep. I mean, yep. yeah, probably not very promising, huh? Here's yeah. a random question. You probably already said this before, where we, or some people know it's obvious. But um, is there? Did they ever find a lat? Is it Alaskan gear that sometimes that's still on? Yes. Wow. Yes. I was just about, yeah, about to, um, about to ask that. So wow. usually um, there's a big meeting at the beginning of whale season hosted at the sanctuary office in Kihei, where Ed and his team um, do a presentation for like the general public, but also, um, whale watch naturalists. And so like, um, pack whale, they ask us to all go, um, and they let us clock in for it too, which is cool. Um, this year, I think it was virtual, but I didn't really get, I was got here so late. I didn't really get plugged into it because I didn't get here till January. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do find Alaskan fishing gear on the whales. So the whales carried it all wow. the way from there. Um, this whale in particular that was just disentangled this past week, they have, I believe Packwell helped retrieve the gear, but there hasn't been an analysis released yet of what gear it was. Uh -huh. So, huh. um, yeah. And then the other two whales that were reported entangled, I, as far as I know, have not been recited. They were both off Oahu for the initial reports. Uh -huh. Um, and I haven't heard any updates since then. One of them, um, unfortunately some, some good Samaritans tried to step in and disentangle the whale and it had a lot of trailing gear with buoys on it. And they, mm -hmm. all they did was cut off the trailing gear with the buoys, the buoys and didn't actually uh, get any sucks. off the whale, which actually oh, now okay. makes it harder to disentangle harder. the whale. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, um, leave it to the professionals. If you see a whale, please call the large mammal, uh, hotline from Noah and let them 
handle it. Take as many photos as you can, stay with animals as long as you can, but please don't try and disentangle the whale yourself because you could hurt yourself, you could hurt the whale, you could make yeah. the situation worse for the whale. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's like, and I know it's hard well, to sit there and watch an entangled whale. I know it's hard. I've had to do it yeah. many times. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We've done it together, all of us. Yeah. yeah. But it's better to let the professionals handle it. One eight seven seven S O S W H A L. People have not just gotten hurt; they've been killed trying to disentangle whales. Even the professionals, yes. Oh. Yep. Um, you guys, it's like three thousand miles from. It's I think it's like three thousand, yeah. a little over three thousand miles. Two to three thousand mm-hmm. miles. Depending yeah, depending on, on where they're at in Alaska, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, with the and you know. I mean, there's also the potential for them to pick up ghost gear along the way that could have been sourced from Alaska. You know, um, it it could have also been they could have picked it up in the beginning of their feeding season for all we mm-hmm. know either. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah, because yep. like Ted Cheeseman's talked about that at, at like an ACS meeting where they've had traps on them for like nine months, right? Yep. Well, yeah, Cottontail, that right whale that we talked about a couple episodes ago was cited in October of 2020 with gear on, and then it died in, like, February. And so that's, like, November, December. That's at least four months, but that could have been, that whale could have been carrying that gear for a lot longer. You know, basically these whales just starve to death is what their ultimate cause of death is. That's how long they carry the gear around. Animals that can fast for six months end up starving to death. That's how long... Like that's how long and slow of a death it is. It's pretty gnarly. Caitlin, or, brutal. Or, or Eric, do you guys remember that last place that the the gray whales have to go through where the killer whale? It's like a yeah, it's, like it's a, a name. Really narrow, false is something. It, false pass. Is it, is it, is it Unamac or something? No, it's a more plain name. It wasn't like a, a name like that. It, it's 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 uh, in the Bering Bering Strait. It's a it's a narrow. It's like a funnel. Is it Bering know. Strait like Aleutian Islands that or? No, the Aleutians are further off. Further off, that's more towards. Yeah, pressure. but it's uh, it's a narrow so pass through one of there that for some yeah. reason they always go through, and the orca are just like, oh, you know, it's like a you know conveyor belt of whales coming through for them to gobble on. You should ask Kristen yeah. Slater. I thought it was Unimac Pass. Oh yeah, it is. It's Unimac Island, huh? They go through that little area right there. Is it Unimac? Nunavak Island, and they get through to the Bering Sea through Unimac Pass. It is so weird because they literally can just go around that island, right? Well, it's like this. It's like the same thing here in Monterey Bay. Like you could stick to the coast, but instead, some cheat across the center of the bay, and that's where the orcas wait. You know? Yeah. It's crazy, huh? That might be it. Yeah, I forgot the name, but yeah. Dude, we should go there. Let's go there. Oh, no. I don't think anything is going through that little thing. It's They got to go around that. If you look at the satellite photo of it. Yeah, I know. Don't you want to go there? I'm pretty sure they go. It's like, Adam, I'm pretty sure it's like through ice. There's like a place through ice that they go through. Dude. Or it's like super snowy or whatever. Dude, road trip? You can't get there, bro. You have to take a boat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, okay, it is that far out. I thought it was a little bit closer towards. It is Aleutian, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so I thought that whole, it's like it goes, it's like Aleutian Islands and there's Fox Islands. Mm-hmm. You think there's any foxes on the Fox Islands? Probably not. There's never animals where they. <laughs> it's like Killer yeah. Well, it's like Orca Island. 
But then there really is killer whales around there, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, there is. But it has nothing to do with killer whales, right, Adam? That's how I found those orca in uh, in Oregon. It was like Whalehead Rock. I was like, oh, that's a neat name. I'll take. I'll just stop here and take a rest. The next thing you know, I look two miles offshore. There's like orca passing by. I was like, that's nice. And in, <laughs> and it's Vixer. What is it? The whale? The whale? Ca- the whalers cafe or the whale cafe? You know? What oh, I'm Davenport. About? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. No, the the Whale City Cafe is in oh, Dale, Davenport, Lucia. but the Whalers Cafe Lucia, yeah, down by Lucia. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that. Yeah, that, well, yeah, I've seen Mar- Margo and I used to stop there and 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 uh, have lunch sometimes and watch. Yeah, I sit on that little rock, especially when it was when uh, the road was closed. I sit there on that rock wall and just look for whales. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because you could come around the other side and get to the yeah. cafe. Yeah. All right. Um, host update. Slater has one. But you have an all day trip. Oh, yes. April 22nd <laughs> on Earth Day. We have uh, I, I, I put together an all day trip in Monterey Bay with Discovery Whale Watch. And Eric and Adam will be there. Caitlin said something about not liking us very much anymore. So <laughs> unfortunately, Caitlin doesn't care about my all day trip. So we're just, she won't we're be just there. holding on by a thread here, really, before this whole thing unravels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, if you guys want to join, there is, as of today, I don't know when this podcast will post, there's nine spots left for that one. But I probably um, might do one in May as well. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. So if you want to see most of the whale nerds, you can join Slater's all-day trip. I'll be there in The three worst ones. We'll FaceTime FaceTime Caitlin on the boat. (laughs) I usually do Yeah, that's true. We do that. All four of us can be there. Kaylin, they're lunch feeding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see if we all have cell service when that happens. But yeah, yeah. so I think that covers it for sightings and updates. You guys want to get into some of our whale news? Yep, I'm on the first topic already. All right. I was. This is kind of a cool article. Um, I had kind of seen it go across my. Uh, radar on social media and I didn't really click it and look at it until one of my friends from home who actually like doesn't do anything with marine life at all was like I thought of you and sent me this article Um, so that was really nice of him and it's about sperm whales and looking at ship logs from whaling records and noticing that there was all of a sudden this rapid decline in successful captures of sperm whales and Hal Whitehead at Dalhousie University in Canada actually uh, did some further analysis on this. And it seems like the sperm whales came up with a better evasion oh. tactic to avoid being harpooned by whalers. And somehow there was this huge exchange of information amongst sperm whales across like an entire ocean basin. So, like, all of a sudden, all the sperm whales knew how to evade harpoons. And it was, like, at such a short time scale that they had to have communicated it to each other. Not, like, oh, the smart ones had more babies and those babies survived. It was no, like, adults were evading across a huge, like, space of the ocean. Did the conversations go like this? Click, click, click. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's three and then one and then three and then one. (laughs) (laughs) Too long, too short. (laughs) Um, So the 
the like behavioral analysis that they kind of talk about is like if you looked at sperm whales evading a predator like killer whales um the sperm whales form like a defensive circle with their heads in the middle and their tails outward um and that technique actually just made it easier for the whalers because it's like they all rounded themselves up for them you know and there's just like bang 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 but then all of a sudden it was like the whales had figured out to like spread out swim upwind because the ships were sail powered back then and so they couldn't sail upwind to keep track or keep up with the whale um so i thought it was really really interesting people also think that um gray whales kind of developed the same thing that's why scammons the had to come up with the they think his crews came up with the tactic of uh taking the calves and tying them to the boats because the gray whales eventually caught on just saw a boat and just said all right i'm out here and then Mm -hmm. eventually like what can we do to get them closer and they Mm -hmm. so i think all whales will eventually catch on Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so then the the point that hal brings up later is you know you see how these animals are able to come up with these incredible strategies and um, communicate them to each other but then now you're looking at um technology just like outpacing the whales again so like in the 20th century whaling fleets had steamships and exploding harpoons and so the swimming up wind and spreading out strategy wasn't as effective anymore it was just like no match for human technology um but then you bring it up to modern day and you look at threats like long lines you know that's a pretty tricky piece of equipment for an animal to evade especially because sperm whales are known to depredate on long lines they steal Mm -hmm. fish off the hooks um and then also you know we're we're making a lot of noise in the ocean there's no escaping that you live in the ocean you're stuck with it um we are changing how food's distributed and so that just gets really tricky for the whales too to continue to find food as we push it around more and more and more so they're smart they're adaptable but how how much farther are we going to push it before they can't cope anymore yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty there's just really impressive animals mm-hmm. no matter which way you look at it like mm-hmm. it's, i don't know it's, you, you can really look at the human's impact right like these animals have been evolving for millions of years and are perfectly adapted to their, to their environment and then within 200 years 100 years you know you change it like that and it <laughs> seems near impossible to adapt, but in some cases, they definitely are. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I thought that was interesting. The animals are very resilient, um, but That's I don't really think cool. we need I to didn't... continue to test their resiliency. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think we've proven they've proven that they can uh, they can go through a lot. All right. So. Oh. I have some more, um, yeah, some more like sort of happy news. (laughs) Um, There are two more right whale calves this season. Um, Number 16 was reported on March 5th to a mom named Gisa. And they were seen off of the St. John's River entrance, which I think is in, I think it's in Florida. I don't actually know for sure. Um, And she had been seen earlier in the winter without a calf. And so uh, it's kind of interesting timeline to try and narrow down when she actually gave birth. And this is her third calf. She's 21 years old. 
And her last calf was actually 10 years ago in 2011. That they, that's been documented. That's a that's a big gap between yeah. babies. Yeah, that so, is a big gap. Um, either they missed a documentation, or uh, she went through some sort of stressful situation where she didn't want to get pregnant again. I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I'm sure, but um, they actually now equival- um, have an equivalency for large whales that an entanglement on a female is just as stressful as a as the two year process of a pregnancy from mm-hmm. pregnancy to the end of lactation. So um, if you have a, a female in her reproductive years get entangled, you may take her off the reproductive market for two years post-disentanglement because it's just as stressful for her body as if she went through a full cycle of a pregnancy and lactation. Mm-hmm. So that, like, delays your calving interval even worse, even further, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right whale calf number 17 was identified uh, last week by Clearwater Aquarium. It's, she doesn't have an, the mom doesn't have a name. Her catalog number is 3593. And she has only been seen eight times since 2005. And they didn't even know if she was male or female until just now they saw her with a calf. And wow. so they're like, well, she's definitely a female. <laughs> um and she, her age is unknown. So she first showed up in 2005. She was not a calf. So um, even though there's only like 360 something North Atlantic right whales, there's still some whales in this population that are not seen very often mm-hmm. and were not seen from birth, which is pretty amazing. It's so amazing. Slater, if you can see his face, his mind is blown. It's just like, what do you mean? There's whales that are just like, it's like we're out there every day. What do you mean? Someone hasn't seen it. Dude, during the the pandemic, um, Dave and I took the boat out, like during like peak quarantine, we took the boat out just for maintenance, to do a maintenance run on it. And we found a couple humpback whales and I got an ID shot on one of them. And Elisa messaged me because I posted on Facebook and she was like, I first like one of my first um she said one of her first slideshows i guess for humpback whales in california used that whale and then she said that it hasn't been seen or reported or nobody's seen it for 11 years until i saw it Gee, and mm-hmm. that's why elisa is that amazing with that stuff she would see something like that and be like oh yeah on june 3rd 1983 that was the first humpback <laughs> that actually had tubercles and, and it had one hair follicle that was the first ever hair follicle you're like what <laughs> What? Can you believe that? Like a humpback whale not being seen in eleven years? Like where? Like where does it go? Dude, wherever. I think there was one reported between Alaska and Hawaii or something, or maybe just two sightings in Alaska, and it was like twenty-seven years apart or something. <laughs> yeah, there's some that are pretty far apart. Even over here in Monterey, there we've had some surprises. <clears throat> so pretty incredible. It's a big ocean. That one yes. longest time between sightings is amazing on Happy Whale, 1979 and 2020. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. What? <laughs> oh. Now, that doesn't necessarily oh. mean that no one's seen it, but there's not been a photo documentation of that yes. animal. Yes. Yeah. So, and, but still, very impressive. And if that whale feeds off of, or I don't know, yeah, it's off of like Halifax. Or no, yeah, it's, it's north of Halifax, that one that was had the long sightings between the two, right? Or so where's that one going? Where's it go south, right? Towards what? To the Caribbean. The, the Dominican Republic? 
Yep. Damn. And so aren't your humpbacks going there as well? Yep. Yeah, the ones I see in Massachusetts. Yeah. So is that technically a different population then that's going all the way up there or is the same population they're just no, spreading all I the way think up the coast? They're just distinct breeding locations, but they're all part of that um, discrete population segment that breeds in the Dominican Republic. Wow. That's pretty cool. Love to did see you, it. Did you guys see that there was a uh, 78 North Atlantic right whale spotted in the same area in one day? In Cape Cod Bay. They're back. It's pretty. <laughs> 78? That's like yeah. Caitlin's gonna be there a third like of the month. population. Woo! I'm so excited. We should go visit Caitlin, you guys. Yeah. Adam, I know Adam's down. Eric just like looks for. So badgers. you, you transportation workers, you go get your vaccine so that we can all safely start to travel around again. Uh, I since since the condor has a cafe on it, that's how I'm getting my vaccine. It's because I'm. Well, taking... we all we work we on all both. Can, we Adam. all qualify now. There's agriculture and there's yeah. uh, transportation sweat. workers are now revised in part of the essential workers in the early phase. So okay. if you work on commercial passenger carrying vessels, you count. Okay. Swag, so. dude. All right, let's go to Baston then. Let's go do it yeah. together. Down. We'll have Slater stay here and look Keep at going. Going. I'll, we'll go let's book, I'll book a trip. I'll book a flight right now. No, no flying, dude. We just drive there. Look so, okay. I guess I should have maybe put that in the host updates because I hadn't officially said anything, but the boys let the cat oh. out of the bag. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to Massachusetts. Aw, dude, we just ruined the surprise. <laughs> The thing is, is we all want Caitlin to stay over here so she can hang out with us. That's why we didn't say it. That's why we ruined yeah, it. Yeah, they're very hopeful that I'm not going to go all the way east. But, all right. I'm coming um, over yeah, to look at Ryan then. Kate Van will watch. Our first trip of the season is planned for April 17th, um, and I will be there. So, yeah. Will the right will still be there when I get there? Gosh, I hope so. I so hope wait. they're still there when yep. I get there. You can well, even see them from the beach, them, too, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, I've never seen a right whale. Do I cry in person or just save it for home? Um, cry in person. <laughs> Adam just one one Adam little tear. Probably scare the right whales back. <laughs> From the else. shore, he'll be screaming gonna... so loud the right whales just swim away. They're gonna become Pacific <laughs> right whales after Adam. <laughs> Can we get a right whale and maybe like a basking shark? <laughs> Ooh, I would love that. Also, a say whale. There? Got say whale. Have, did you see a basking shark there before, Caitlin? No, but they do see them. They're there. I think some of that oh, stuff happens in the springtime, like the say whales, the right whales, basking sharks. And last year we didn't what's, start till Fourth of July weekend. So, what's peak? What is peak? North Atlantic right whale. Season? May wasn't it? In Massachusetts. Yeah, you. The last couple of years, it's been like the first two weeks of May to see them from shore. But like, it's now three hundred bucks. Saw Seventy-eight. In one day, you know what I mean. So, I'm going. Three hundred bucks. If I get Throwing seventy-eight up. right whales, I'll have to cry seventy-eight times. Yeah, you, you, have to, you have to look at them from like four thousand yards away, right? Um, five hundred, yeah. And actually, yeah. why it's good to see them from shore sometimes is because during high tide they're feeding closer to they're shore, closer. so you so can be closer on land than you can be on a boat. So the Paracel company ain't gonna do the little slide by, dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> That was in Mexico, right? Or off the Gulf? That was in the Gulf of Mexico. I think the company came from Florida or something on the Gulf side. And it was an accident, I think. Well, Yeah, I they just were like cruising and they're like, oh no, there's whales. And it happened, it happened to go right over right whales. We talked about that before. Yeah. Cool. Take my so, 600 names. So Adam, book the parasail trip and I'll, I'll get a slice. <laughs> okay, cool. 
<laughs> Bring your GoPro, because when they dunk us down in the water, dude, next to them. To go with the right whale sightings, um, if you are an East Coaster, um, honestly, anywhere from Florida up to Maine, um, it's always a good idea to check with NOAA um, for the, the voluntary slow zones, because they do release them like once a week. They'll say like, right whales have been seen in this area. Please go 10 knots or slower with your boats. Um, so to be a responsible boater, definitely um, check those out. Also, just a little follow up on that um, calf that was killed by a boat. The Department of Fish and Wildlife did an investigation and actually there's going to be no charges brought against the captain. Uh, I mean, it was it was an accident. But at the same time, they killed a right whale. So it's kind of a... That's a tough situation. Because, I mean, yeah. it's, I don't think he did it on purpose, right? That was no, the one I they thought might have even been possibly even dead before they even made contact yeah, with Yeah, so I think after the necropsy, they are determining that the whale was alive and that the cause oh, of death okay. is the boat strike. The vessel was going like 22 knots or something. Um, and the vessel did, did sink. I mean, he basically had to run into St. Augustine Inlet and ditch the boat along the shoreline because it was sinking Wait, so fast. Did, was it a private boat? Yeah. Well, fishing charter. Oh, it's like a six pack. I think it was a fishing charter. Yeah. So, oh, it was a boat. party boat. I was, cause in my head, I was thinking when we first started talking about it, I'm like, what could we do? Like, I was like, what kind of app could I create? But it's like, no one's going to download an app that tells them rules. You know what I mean? It's like, so how do you get this information out to these people? It's like, you know. Social yeah. media. Yeah, but it's like, okay, but not everybody's going to follow Adam Ernster, you know, that's a boater. Yeah. Uh, I, bet, I bet it never. <laughs> <laughs> but so, in all but, reality, step off your high horse for a second. <laughs> but realistically, there needs to, if your boat is going to be like, if it's, a, if it's a, especially a company, like let's say like Grady White, Boston Whaler, Edgewater, like yeah. companies that make ocean boats. Yeah. Like, what if there's, like, a little whale tail sticker that just comes on the boat? It has to be certified by, like, the government if it has that whale tail mm -hmm. sticker. And mm -hmm. it just says, like, or 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 if you're launching your boat out of anywhere, any harbor, the harbor should be, like, should have to yeah. know what's out in the ocean yeah. and be well, like, okay, there's humpbacks in this area within the next 35 miles. So, yeah, like, I mean, they do that off. with manatees in on the intercoastal waterway, once, especially once you get into Florida. There are posted speed limit signs on the like channel markers um, and they say the dates that you need to be abiding by those speed limits. And then they have pictures of manatees and they say caution manatee area. Um, so maybe something like that could be done at launch ramps or in harbors because the manatee messaging in the harbors in Florida, especially on the intercoastal waterway is actually it's everywhere. Good. It's everywhere. Yeah. Over there, like, yeah. you know, but the even sea otter ones. Yeah, even with it being pretty good, there's still boat over 100 boat strikes a year with manatees. So, Jesus Christ, 100? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll talk more about that in episode about, 74. But so you yeah. Know, you know the sea otter ones like in Moss Landing, Eric? Like, you know, that like the otter crossing kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like the, okay, so you know the big whistle buoys that like sea lions rest on? Mm -hmm. Like the nav buoys. What if we use big ones of those that just have like a whale fluke on it? Like marks yeah. all the areas. I don't know. Yeah. Who's gonna pay I don't know. attention there? I think it's a good idea to keep chewing on though. Like keep thinking about like, is there launch ramp education? Is there some sort of some places already have it? And it yeah, some places already have it, and it's just people just don't care, don't pay attention. Yeah, yeah. You guys, we do it. They do it. Um, they pay for a whale fee. Well, every once in a while, they'll you know shout it out on the uh, 
on the radio. Yeah, they'll yeah, put it on 16 other, sometimes. Yeah, on Channel 16, when we were transiting offshore from Georgia to North Florida, um, it's one of those broadcast Mariners that it's like yeah. they make the announcement just like the weather, and then they say shift to 22 Alpha, and you get the full message. Yeah. So they put out like the broadcast notice. Then if you shift to 22 Alpha, they'll be like North Atlantic. This is North Atlantic right whale habitat. Sightings have been between these locations. You know, go 10, 10 knots or slower. Report all right whale sightings yeah. to this. They should just do that on 16 regardless. Yeah, because yeah. when I was working in out of the Long Beach boats, you know, when I was working with the aquarium, yeah, we would hear it broadcasted every now and then straight out say, you know, Mariners, there are you yeah. know, whales in the area, but all the other areas don't I've hear never it. heard it on 16. It must have been on, like, 22. It must have been on the Weather yeah. Channel. Well, they usually no, just say... I've never heard that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. On the East Coast, the, when it comes to right whales, I've heard it in Massachusetts, too, when they have social yeah. aggregations cited, um, and they announce it initially on 16 and then tell you to shift answer. Yeah. Because you... I mean, maybe because it's Newport Beach, and I've been, I spent more, I've had more years on the water in Newport than anywhere else. Yeah. But like, it's like you would think during gray whale season. Maybe they do. It's just, I've never heard it on 16. Yeah. Well, the other other question is, how many times have you tried to hail a private boater on 16 and they don't answer because they're not monitored? Exactly. They'll monitor it. (laughs) Some of these guys don't even have a radio. It's scary. You know, you know, I've been hearing on the radio hailing people down is a dolphin safari, I think, right? Captain Dave. Dave. I keep hearing him. He's like, yeah, green boat, like anything, you know, trying to get a hold of him. He's like, yes. you know, keep the gray whale on the on your inside and stay back behind us, you know, and like yeah. follow what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, I've heard him so many times. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a good question to keep working on, um, and it's definitely something for hopefully all our listeners are considering and maybe thinking on too. Um, if you're interested in helping protect these animals, it's like you know, these are ideas that people are still trying to sort out. What's the best way? There were a few people in Southern California who were pushing to make some signs, you know, just kind of like we have them remammal mm-hmm. care center signs, uh, rescue center signs everywhere about the whales that put them on the ramp. But I don't know. Something must have happened with funding. It, it didn't take off, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's something that the whale um, vessel disturbance working group was talking about in Monterey, too, is, is there could we make use of um, like fish counters that are already at boat ramps handing out information can we put, you know, on the notice boards information? Um, is there a way to have a volunteer program of people to walk the docks for recreational boaters? Because they were identified as our biggest problem group with whale disturbances as recreational boaters. And it's just a lack of education is the main source. Yeah. What do you know? Um, yeah. Like out here during salmon time, it's the scariest thing ever. You know? Oh, God. Like, poor all sea these otters weekend, during oh. salmon season. Weekend, weekend warriors, you know, out here going as <sighs> fast as they can. And they see yeah. well, they're trolling, watching, literally. They see whales, you know, uh, yeah. and they're watching boats and they just. Don't but also the sea watch. otters leaving don't, the harbor, like they're just freaking plowing out of the harbor and the sea otters like try to get out of the way, but they still get them. Yeah. The, well, they try oh, right through the lunch Adam, we have been on the boat in Moss Landing where there's dozens of humpbacks and the, the salmon boats just troll right through the, the like school of anchovies. It's like, dude, humpbacks are feeding here, bro. Yeah. Why are people so freaking dumb? I almost said it. I controlled myself. <laughs> that was a fast worder, dude. It's like on Guardians of the Galaxy when he's like, he said we're the freaking gal- Guardians of the Galaxy, but he didn't use yeah. freaking. He used <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you talk so yeah, through my humpback, I'm going to punch you. It's definitely something that I think about a lot about how do you get those messages out to people because um, it's important. 
you know, like, no, especially when you like the boater in Florida, that's a great example. You don't want to hit a right whale because yeah. you don't yeah. want to kill a whale, but also like, that's really dangerous. Just screw up your boat. boat dude. That guy almost and your life. his boat with passengers on it. Yeah. You know, and his life. Yeah. Dude, we need a good all like whale strike. Like what happened to like strikes back in the day? You know, you got to do one of those. You want to do like a whale ride or a whale, like a, not a whale ride, a whale, uh, a whale march. The whales. A whale nerds. (laughs) 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 Okay. So this other article I have on our list is sort of just a food for thought type thing. Um, It's from the Pacific wild uh, organization. And it kind of just reminds me of the big fish or little fish, big deal conversations we had about anchovies in Monterey. Um, But it's just some numbers about Pacific herring. So Mm. only 12% of Pacific herring is processed for human consumption. That's caught um, mostly off the coast of the U.S. and Canada. And uh, it's a lot of it's a roe fishery. So the eggs are removed from the female fish and exported overseas. And the popularity of roe is actually declining on the market. If you look at demand and the price. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. And then the other uh, domestic source for human consumption is pickled herring and fish oil supplements. Fish, okay. Yeah. Stuff. Um, so 88% of herring is caught for non-human consumptions in the bait fishery and reduction fisheries. So uh, things like fish meal, fish oil, um, some of it goes into farmed salmon, which then is also problematic in the ecosystem. And continues to like echo this negative impact across the the food chain, mm-hmm. um, and so even though prices are decreasing, like there continues to be exports of herring overseas, and um, the the herring fishery, especially in the Pacific Northwest, is an important piece of the food chain for southern resident killer whales um, because the salmon eat the herring, the killer whales eat the salmon. Um, so it's more than just salmon, right? Like there's a, it's a multifaceted management approach and, um, yeah, it was just kind of an interesting thing. It's I funny how, about. it's funny how people don't get it's multifaceted, you know, yes. uh, I hate so much about our field. Yes. Kind of like when you guys make fun of me, like, Oh, Eric's going to go look for other whales, you know, cause he doesn't like, <laughs> he doesn't like whales anymore. He's like, that's fucking bullshit. I like everything, you know, and Whoa, that's, yes, Eric you know. used the bad word. Well, that's true. If you don't like everything. You don't get it. So I was literally telling like Chris so that the other day. No, listen, listen was, I seem like not get it. Like literally, you know, that, that freaking ant right next to me right now, if that's gone, everything collapses, you know, and people mm-hmm. don't realize that. I, I know, was that's true. I hate it when people like one animal. I only yeah, like I, 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 I so animal. agree with that. I was telling Chris and that on the boat the other day. I was like I was like, there's a lot of people in the whale like world, like the whale uh what do we call it? Like Field. community or whatever community and it's like they are like so into whales yet they would like not care about anything that's going on as far as land yeah. animals like they're very into like just let's say killer whales and that's it and like they could care less about like all the problems going on with the, the other animals yeah and like, yeah you know, we focus on whales but it's like we still all would love to go see yeah. other animals right yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. i'll put up i'll put up a humpback picture you know and everyone will be like ooh, you know but i put up a picture of a badger it's like you don't know what those things have dealt with you know people pretty much they don't even know they exist here yeah because yeah, habitat loss and everything 
Yeah, just people yeah. will make fun of me. It's like, oh, you put up a picture of Badger. Don't you only like whales? It's like, dude, I like everything. If we don't, yeah, yeah. my bear gonna, photo, everything's gonna collapse. Yeah, it's amazing photo. how Slater got hate on his bison photos and stuff. And that's like, yeah. Yeah. like stick, stick to, to whales. whales. And it's like, it's like why? What? I wanted to go to Yellowstone my whole life. I finally go to Yellowstone, see bison that are freaking bigger than the car walking right next to us. You know what I mean? And bears and like, and it wasn't like we had to like walk up and see a bear we drove around that whole entire park and finally saw a bear you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. it's like bees bees are something that we oh, should be so freaked out so about important. Yeah, yeah yeah people so you put important. up a you put up a bee picture uh people will probably unlike it you know it's like oh my god it's like you know how <laughs> like, i'm blocking eric dude he's in yeah. bees now you know <laughs> Do you notice how like every farm out here has bees do you know why yes. you know people don't understand it's yeah. like these yep. are so important, yet no one even realizes they're in trouble. You know? Yep. There's actually a lot of good bee documentaries. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're a really crucial part of our existence on planet Earth. Yeah. There's only plants out there right now that are only there because of bees, you know? Yep. <laughs> Monarch Including butterflies. food that we eat. Yeah. <laughs> Monarch butterflies. That's another thing. You know yep. Pacific Grove over here? Monarch capital of the world? It's it's scary how many showed up this year. <laughs> yeah, and last year, both yeah. the last couple seasons have been awful. Yeah, so there's. No, I think my first year was pretty good, and it's been declining ever since. Yeah, yeah the, things are the changing. monarchs over there. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to be like an old guy to talk about these stories. It's literally you can be five years old and see these changes right now. Yeah, I was I always talk about um, like remember like when you were younger, you know, driving down the road and you'd pull off somewhere and you look at like the hood of your car and there's just so many bugs and insects just like on it because you just ran them over or whatever. When you do that nowadays, there's not nearly as many insects <laughs> and insects are such an important part of our livelihood and our environment and everything that, that, uh, that fact alone is super scary. Like I remember as a kid, like, you know, going on a road trip, you pull off and you're like, ew, like you couldn't even like sometimes see out your windshield, right? Cause there's so many bugs you'd hit. But nowadays, it's just, it's not like that. And yeah, pesticides are another thing. That's you know. pretty, yeah. I think that's pretty scary. Depends yeah. on where you're at, too, right? Like, if you're in, in farmlands where there's probably tons of pesticides, like, you know, there's definitely yeah. gonna be less bugs there. But we lose bugs. I mean, think of all our birds that eat bugs, too. Yeah. You know, yep. it's like, yep. oh, people need to start caring about everything. Lord, you ever talk to that person who's like, oh, I love all animals? A spider walks by, you're like, oh, Throw a shoe at it. It's like, come on, man, really? <laughs> throw a shoe at it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, oh. I, I can't stand that. You know, it's like, come on, people love everything. You know, it's like we gotta like it all. Everything except for snakes. People don't like snakes. <laughs> yeah, same thing with snakes. Best form of snakes, owls. Best form of rodent protection out there. You guys don't like those, you know, poisons out there. Yeah, promote snake habitats, owl boxes. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Snakes? You just simply put a board in the open field and you got snakes, you know? So it's like Yeah, especially in certain parts of uh, the United States, inland, like some of those people they like there's there's those herpers that you watch on uh, YouTube that they literally just leave a board in their backyard, check it the next day and there's a snake under it. It's pretty cool. Well, so ah. there's something there's something to be said about people that are uber passionate about one thing, right? It, then you have to take that momentum and do something with it. And if it's to promote the exactly. entire food web, you know, that's a good opportunity to capitalize on that. So like as, if, as frustrating as it is for people, you see people not grasp the larger concept. I think you should also take the 
enthusiasm as a sign that they're receptive to maybe a different message. You it know doesn't mean, mean they're bad. Sure. Like it's it's yeah. it's like it's like the southern residents, you know, like like that's a charismatic species of megafauna that everybody can for the most part attach to and, and that's great but at the same time you need to take it to the, ne- to the next level you have to help them realize that it's not just about the resis it's about mm-hmm. the chinook salmon it's about the herring it's about the eel grass it, 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 it all plays its part and once you get people to understand that in order to protect you know the residents you need to protect these other aspects and i mm-hmm. think that's you know, in, in terms of in terms of communicating science, that's that's our job. You know, that that's yeah. that's what we do. That's why we have a podcast about this stuff. You know, it's not so just I, about yeah. the residents. That's that's you got to take it to the next step. Someone I talked yeah. to the other day said like sometimes an orca is always like the gateway animal. You know, <laughs> scared in a way. In a way, they scared are scared the heck out of them with you know about seventy, and then really scare them with like vaquita numbers. You know, which literally right now is probably what. Maybe one hand. I can tell. They're under ten for sure, and that was like two years ago. I think nine the other day. So it's like, yeah, these man. Yeah. So back to that uh, Pacific Wild now, you know. So it's like, geez. Yeah. Back to the Pacific Wild thing. So it sounds like if we got rid of farmed salmon, we might help the herring population, because then we wouldn't be taking it to feed them. Have you watched Artificial? Slater? Yes. Uh, yeah, it. I think so. I don't. Maybe yeah, not. That's, that's your. That's your homework tonight. It's on YouTube. Everybody, <laughs> go watch Artificial by Patagonia. Hey, Patagonia. It is on, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay oh. anything for it. It really puts into perspective how incredibly harmful salmon farming is on the environment. And expensive. It is, it, oh, I think we did watch it. Yeah. It is. It is so insane. And like, I, I think. I think the what you can really pull away from the documentary is that I talked about this the other day is like we as humans always try to problem solve and engineer our way out of problems instead of just letting nature take its course. Right. Like, like instead of, you know, creating a dam and then making a hatchery to, to reverse what the dam does in terms of stopping this, the properly spawning of salmon. We do that instead of, just letting Taking them do the what, they, what they're supposed to do. Taking the <laughs> damn out, like, like we we do that. We we do all these fancy things and and create all of these nuances to do something that fish do on a normal basis and have done for millions of years. Yeah, stop whale. Yeah. It makes it makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, the one thing big thing about artificial put out that a lot of like ichthyologists already kind of knew is you released farmed animals, right? I'm not saying they're bad animals but eventually genetically they're really poor because they've been taken care of Mm -hmm. you know they're kind of uh i don't want to say weak but they are they're not not as tough as they're not as tough as a wild animal you know Mm -hmm. so you basically put you basically exactly you basically are putting weaker genetics out there it gets into the wild population so and that's not what the wild was built off of that's why that's why one humpback gets to mate with the female and well maybe possibly more but you know the one that wins in that group gets to mate with the female because it's the one that beat the rest of them out of it that farming stuff in the big picture the big picture looks good it's like oh you're putting fish back in but in the long run you look back you're like oh we just created kind of some weaklings out there you know yeah put out into the wild so like these these fish are pumped with like antibiotics and 
cocaine, steroids, and just like so much, so much things because you know, their hormones, whatever, just for them to survive. And like, I don't want to eat a fish like that. The, the the wild animals shouldn't have to eat fish like that. Like that that in itself is just such a hor- horrible thing to put on organisms. And it's just like that in itself just brings down the gene pool and brings down the, the strength of the animals. It's just, again, if you haven't seen artificial, it really puts things into perspective about how farming's, salmon, salmon farming has screwed up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So go watch it. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. A more. it's a weird thing. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. It, I mean, yeah, it I, meant I well. it up on YouTube. It meant well at first, but yeah. Yeah. yeah like farming fish and putting them exactly. out there in the wild is, is, in the long run, it's not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So this is a good uh, segue to the next topic I had on our list. Um, so this is about killer whale conservation strategies, um, primarily around the southern residents. And this is like more of a human dimensions analysis of the whole equation. So it's looking at the 17,000 public comments that were sent to the state of Washington in regards to southern resident killer whales. And what these people did is they analyzed the language that people used when they wrote these comments and did an analysis to determine people's emotions when they were writing these comments. Um, so they used keywords that were used in the comments to put into categories, like emotional categories. And um, the reason why this is really important overall is because humans are the ones that make the rules, right? And um, the kind of in their conclusion section, this this paragraph's pretty good. It says, perception, cognition, decision-making, judgment, and action are all influenced by emotions. This includes um, all of those factors, cognitions, decisions, actions, relevant to conservation. Um, and they, they found that respondents frequently held mixed emotions when it comes to uh, this topic, but trust, anticipation, and fear were all major components of their feedback. So when you're, when you're a manager, when you're a decision maker on policy, um, you have to recognize that, right? Like you have to understand that when you're getting public comments and trying to get a sense of like what your constituents want you to do, like you have to look at, you have to recognize that people make decisions based on emotions, right? That's the biggest, that's the biggest issue. If you want to break it down with conservation, like you can show people facts all day long, but the successful campaigns either way are based on your emotions. It's part of the fossil fuel industry figured that out 60 years ago and look how (laughs) successful they've been in the face of blatant climate change facts They continue to be successful. Because they figured out how to get you in your gut, not in your brain. Um, so there were they broke down these seventeen thousand comments, and there were peaks in public feedback um, after some big events, which makes sense. When J thirty five lost her calf and carried the carcass around for seventeen days, when J fifty was designated as missing and suspected dead, um, and then after the task force recommendations came out and they solicited public comment, there was another surge in comments. Um, and so kind of their conclusion is emotions drive how we feel and how we behave, which can influence our conservation actions. Anger and sadness have the biggest influence on people's policy choices. 
if you pay attention to U.S. politics, after some sort of national emergency, a bunch of laws get passed all of a sudden because mm-hmm. they capitalize on people's anger and fear. Yep. Um, it also suggests that people are more receptive to protective orca strategies after surprising or I put as shocking events like J35 or J50. They see this, you know, emotional evoking event like a mom losing her baby and um, they're more receptive to a recommendation for more restrictive protections over over the environment or over killer whales or whatever it may be so you can use that to your advantage in any avenue could be that more people are receptive to whale watch regulations could be that more people are receptive to fishing regulations could be that more people are receptive to uh boat traffic in general or noise pollution regulations um so it's kind of like if you're gonna push a conservation campaign or you're gonna push a policy this is a factor you should be including in your decision-making process is kind of what I got out of it. Um, and does then the mention, other cool... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, ahead. does it mention what the 17,000 comments were about? Um, Besides yeah, Southern residents? Uh, they only analyzed ones that had to do with Southern residents. Hmm. That's how I many wonder, comments came in about it. <laughs> I wonder if it was about, because you know how big it was, like the breaching, the dam things has been over the last couple of years or four or five years now? Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I think anything even like related, Period like to them. adjacent like that, was included. Yeah. Was this a um, paper or paper or just an article? That was it's right? a paper. Um, really conservation. Is... It's a the Journal of Society for Conservation Biology. It's conservation science and practice. Okay, because what's funny is yeah, um, this is almost like it's almost like a sociological, you know, type of issue right here. How people? Yes, there's certain campaigns out there. I, I might have brought this up briefly in some older po- podcasts, but some organizations use, like, I kid you not, like old school World War One, World War II pro- propaganda techniques, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that and, social uh, science has a lot larger role to play in conservation yeah. than it's getting right now. Yeah, you'll play with people's emotions instead of, you know, let them, them sit there a little bit longer and think about it. And mm-hmm. some organizations use that, which is not good at all. But it's effective. It's effective, but so you're saying run, that it, it damages things. I should post the photos of the entangled humpback whales that we have. I think I but do. Be very be crafty with your language is where yeah. I'm going yeah. with that. Think about what emotions do you want people yeah. to have based on what you said, and then you need to give them something to do. To you know, think about yep. what yeah. Think, think about, about where what emotion your you're evoking. From. Yep, and then give them something to do. Kind of um, like. When me and Slater, back, like, when I first moved here, me and Slater went to go look at dead whales, you know, we're like, should we post this? But I'm like, this is perfect to post because it's a lot uh, learning opportunity. A lot of many people don't get to literally get that close to a whale and literally see, see, the, see the hairs and barnacles. I've taken you to a bunch of dead whales. Was the it baby. a humpback or a gray whale? We've seen both. Remember the, the peck fin? Yeah. Remember? And both up <laughs> in the same area, I think. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Eric, do you think you could lift this peck fin? He's like, No. Yeah. The adult whale peck fins weigh like 2,000 no, pounds. It was a calf. Whale. Yeah, but it was still like 200 pounds probably. It was six feet long. And we were like, I can't pick that up, dude. Yeah. But yeah, There's we got pictures of barnacles, you know, and it's like, who gets to see that? You know, but yeah, there's times that people use it incorrectly. And there are times it's like, this is Close educational. Those, those barnacles. Eric got hit by a wave because it was like in the surf. I remember he had boots on though. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. So I think, yeah, it's just... um 
it's something to consider because at the end of the day, you're trying to evoke a certain behavior in people when you're doing conservation, right? And so you have to think about how to get people to do what you want them to do, which is way more social science than it is marine biology. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it was interesting to see this specific analysis done because they took keywords and made those into emotional categories instead of having people self-identify their emotions. Because in other papers, which are more social science based, what they found is that people often mislabel, mislabel or miscategorize their own emotions. Um, and so when you're trying to get like a temperature check on where people's heads are at in certain topics, people are going to tell you the wrong thing that they're, they're not going to be able to articulate what they're thinking if they just, if you ask them to say an emotion. But if you look at the words they use, you're going to get a gotcha. more true assessment yeah. of their representation. Their mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also feel like with the residents, like it's such an emotional based relationship regardless, because we yes. know every single one of those whales, we've known which, which calves haven't survived, you know, and I mean, I, even myself, like when I write about them, you know, I, I get pretty emotional too. And it's just, it's such a hard topic for, for a lot of people to either talk about or write about that it, it regardless is a pretty emotional situation. Yeah. And there's harder Especially people that live there. And see... Oh, a hundred percent. Like and Eric's not being you know, the Vikita. About. The Vikita, yeah. I would argue, is a, is a much more you know dire situation. But even dire yeah. situation. exactly. But even in that same food web, you would never get seventeen thousand comments about Shugnuck salmon or Pacific herring. You would never get that about if yeah. it was just that's, about the that's fish. That's why you need to use the residents. That's yes. why you need to take advantage exactly. of that. Exactly. Exactly. It's like the, but even even in the same aspect, it's like Vikita and Totoaba. Like nobody knows what the heck a Totoaba is. Yeah, but <laughs> starting to understand what a Vikita is, like, yeah, you know, yeah. So Did you watch that movie, Adam. What? Which one? The Vermilion the one Sea. That we, we, that was so cool. We all got to go see it in the theater together. What a, what a concept, huh? That oh, poor theater that was closed. Sea of Shadows. Yeah. yeah. So sad that I think closed because Sea of, of Shadows by the, for the Rizzo's Dolphins. No, no see, that was Scars. Scars is the Rizzo's oh, Dolphin. Scar, yeah. Sea of Shadows was I, another I film that came out after, what was it called? Tales of the Vermilion Sea or something was the first one. There's Sea of Shadows and there's, yeah, Vermilion Sea and then there's, oh, I forgot. That's your homework tonight, Adam. It's on Amazon, yeah. Not Netflix, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. So, Sea of Shadows... You think I will watch documentary? I watched all four of those in one day. <laughs> calm down, calm down. <laughs> but yeah, plain and simple, people thinking with emotions is is kind of dangerous at times because. But that's, that's how we think. That's, that's, how, that's, that's how it is for. Yeah, that's countries. when you get. That's when you get like, oh, that's whale watching boats, ban whale watching. But you know, you just hope that person takes a breath and steps back and go, oh, salmon, dams. You know, habitat loss. Oh no, let's club Yona. seals because the salmon are dying. Yeah. Like they've they've tried every one concept. My, get rid of, one of my get rid favorite. of boats. Kill all the seals because they're you know. Take the cormorants out. That's a yeah. very good point. Jesus Christ. One of my one of my favorite quotes of all time is when emotions are high, logic is low. Yep. And yep. that is applicable to any situation. It doesn't even have to be about whales. So, I hundred percent agree with what you're saying, Eric. Like emotional responses 
a lot of times lack logic and lack research and lack depth. But again, when you have a good emotional response or an emotional response that you can coax into doing some good, you got to take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the burden you bear as a, a science communicator is that you have to be mindful of that, that, that effective campaigns, no matter what it's promoting, get people in their heart or in their gut and capitalize on that. And science communication Science is the first word, right? So people want to give you facts and they want to show you the system. That's not what gets people engaged. You have to have that emotional hook first and you have to have them where you want them before you give them the science. Yeah. I've, I've really struggled with that concept because, uh, in terms of filmmaking because as a filmmaker, I always want to put scientific facts out there. You know, I want to, I want to show people how much a humpback whale can engulf in in a single gulp or whatever you know but i've been told by a lot of people that it's like you gotta have a story you gotta have an emotional yep. response or else people don't want to hear scientific facts facts, you know, facts tell it. but stories sell that's how exactly I, that's how i've always felt like it's it's tough because i love naturals it's on the hard. boat it's well it's hard. like naturals are really good on the boat but sometimes the captain telling a story about his time in the bay resonates more than them being like, unpack oh, wells can get up to 50 feet in length. Their pectoral fins are 14 feet. Exactly. Like they eat, you know what I mean? Some of that becomes too like just hard fact and they, they forget yep. it by the end of the trip. Yep. Eric yep. has told people that they were watching blue whales and they're like, is this a humpback? Two seconds later. So sometimes yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> it just depends yeah. on how you say it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think I have it written in my notebook um, here in Hawaii because like our trips are only two hours so I really, really constantly f- reflect on, like, what do I want people to know when no. they step off the boat and why? Like, it's cool to know how big the whale is, but why does it matter? At the end of the day, if I want people to do things at home that are going to reduce their impact on whales, what do I actually need to tell them? Um, and so I, re- I wrote, you know, like, what's the story I want to tell? Um, and it's something that I'm still constantly working on. Like I try it's different hard, things almost a, every day. It's so hard to to yeah. really grasp or really be good at. But yeah, here we are. So yeah. So just another piece of information to reflect on, especially if you're listening to this and you are a science communicator or an educator or a naturalist. Um, you know. To do an effective job, you really have to dig deep and think about what do you want people to step away from your program knowing and and why. What's the so what? It's kind of what I did to Adam this morning. He sent us some feet. He was looking for feedback on a video he made. And I was like, so what's yeah. the point in the end? Right. Like, what do you want people to do after sure. they watch this? Yeah. So. need to have a have a, um, a reason yep. for it. Yep. So. Um, I think at this point we had two more topics on our list, but we had such a good discussion. I don't think we should go further because I'm, sure, I'm assuming they're podcast. probably negative anyways, right? Um, <laughs> uh, one is just the, the no, like whale cool. population assessment is just more of like a, I looked through a demonstration of how tricky conservation is. I was just going to talk a little bit about, you know, the minute details of how you manage a species in different places. Um, so it's not sad. <laughs> it's just interesting. Um, and then the other one's a follow-up about a topic we talked about, I think, honestly, over a year ago. Um, so we can save them for the next episode. That's fine. Okay. So, yeah. But great discussion today, guys. Yeah, nice. I was yeah say, we crushed I, it. 
You guys, I love our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> dude, we got a couple of F-bombs in there time. from Eric. <laughs> oh, I cuss a lot, dude. Like, it's so hard not. To, it's so hard not to cuss. We're gonna have to bleep I, those out. No, keep them in there. Yeah, I'll go, keep them in I'll there, go. dude. This is Sorry, Bennett. Podcast. Oh yeah, Bennett. Real. <laughs> Bennett's parents aren't gonna be happy at me. This episode, we should put a disclaimer at the front. This episode is uh, PG thirteen. Awkward. This is how I feel. This is how I feel about the Vikita. Yeah, he's got a picture of a broken heart. I drew that myself. Are you proud of me? This is very, very nice. Good work. Yeah, that's Thank you. Thanks, guys. <sighs> so. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll see you in about you know five minutes. Once we wrap up with this one, we're doing another one. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. Spoiler! <laughs> Spoiler! We're doing two today. Oh, we're doing a double header for the host, not for the listeners though. We'll have to wait for the second one to come out, but. Yeah, um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much for supporting our work on Patreon. And um, for those of you that follow us on social media, it's at Whale Nerds. Thanks for following along on there and supporting us that way, getting the word out. Thank and you. if you do listen to the podcast on whatever your preferred platform is, if you wouldn't mind taking a minute to review or rate the podcast, uh, that does help us appear in search lists and things like that. Um, so we would really appreciate that. And if you don't give us a five-star review, tell us why. So we know how we can improve. That would be great. I've had and... so many people reach out to me recently about the podcast and I'm like, that's great. Thank you so much for listening. Also leave us a little review if you like it. Yeah. If you don't like it, don't say anything. Well, and... if you don't like it, tell us why. So we can <laughs> understand what's going on out there. Yes. hundred percent. But you know, it's just for people's opinion. It's not the end all be all of whale topics ever. Definitely not. <laughs> but thanks so much. And if you made it this far, oh, the secret oh, yes. whale this week is pygmy beaked whale. What do you want him to, do you I want, want them to, to comment on our Instagram, pygmy, pygmy beaked whale, <laughs> if you made it this far. Okay, the next the next social media post that you see after this episode goes live, just put pygmy beaked whale, even though it has nothing to do with whatever the post is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.